Welcome to On the Couch with Caroline, where we'll be finding out what makes people do the impossible. Please enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. I hope you're uh, getting ready for a fantastic episode of On the Couch with Caroline tonight. Tonight, we have the amazing Tina Kekalia. I've just been practicing her surname, so I didn't get tongue twisted. Uh, now, I'm just going to welcome Tina. Thank you so much for having me. It's always nice to have a, have a casual chat with somebody from Australia. I'm from New Zealand, so let's bring it. And before we start, I go, oh, that doesn't sound like a New Zealand accent. No, I'm born and bred in Germany and I moved to New Zealand when I was 25 and then married a Tongan about 20 years ago. So my accent is a little bit of a mix. <laughs> yeah, you've got the, the pure um, international, isn't that what they yep. call it now, an international accent. Yep. So I'm just going to introduce a little bit about Tina before we start. Tina is the CEO and founder of the Fempreneur Pathfinder. Tina is a feminine embodiment coach, writer, speaker, possibility agent, and unapologetically wild woman. I love that. She is fiercely devoted to helping female leaders break up with limiting beliefs, ditch their not-so-good-enoughness, and reclaim their voice so they can thrive from boardroom to bedroom and everywhere in between. It's her mission to have every woman sign her own permission slip, asking for what she desires, saying no like she means it, and putting herself first. Wow, and what's not to love about all of that? So, Tina, that's, you know, we all have our bios, which introduces what we, we do and everything like that, but I'm just going to go straight into it. Who is Tina? Hey, Kalea. Oh, I'm a wild woman, as my bio <laughs> says. I am, um, I've always been a rebel, and uh, my life path has led me into um, the feminine and empowerment, and especially the feminine voice, because for so long I did not have one. I was a shy, introvert uh, little girl, uh, wild on the inside, and spent 30 years trying to tame that. And coming out the other end is yeah. who I truly yeah. have become. And it's really good to let that out. Eventually, I'm a year shy of 50, so it's taken me a long time to get here. And I hope I can get other women to, ins to inspire them to come out of the closet and, and really go for what they believe in and what they're passionate about and not apologizing for what they want or what they need. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm the same. Like, I didn't find myself. I'm still looking. Um, but I didn't really find myself till you know, I hit 50, why do you think that is? Why do you think for a lot of women it's not until we get near 50 that we make we, we make the change or realise we need to make the change? What do you think that is? I think it's age and life experience and just this, um, I think this non-compliance that we then become so okay with at mm. a certain age where I go, you know what, I don't actually give any flying you-know-what yeah. about what other people think of me and it's not from a place of arrogance it's just from a place of purely being comfortable in your own skin and even though it's an aging skin and yeah. it, it comes with it comes with some little uh, hiccups it's not all fucks a box of fluffies every day uh, I would be lying if I'd say but I think we come to more honesty on on who we are yeah. and I yeah, think that absolutely. inspires in what we do 
And do you think sometimes, though, too, I think um, especially women because, you know, we do, we are the carers often, we, you know, raise the children, we do the housework, we go to work and all of that. We do a lot for other people that we get to that point where we're almost like it's like a sense of exhaustion and yeah. it's just like I am too old for this anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's an aspect of that. And I think um, putting yourself first is something that can be learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Because the the role that we play as particularly the mother, which is a great portion of our life, and then when you have aging parents and other things come to play, it can carry on for a little while longer. But it's actually a lot of masculine energy, which means you're constantly doing, you're constantly yes. organizing mm-hmm. on the go. And quite often we are the ones that then stay behind because we don't take time out we don't have time to rest to exercise to read or I don't know go to do something that is not part of our daily stuff like go horse riding or go surfing something like that yeah so it's always yeah we we don't do the stuff just for us yeah yeah so when you were little did you always know what you wanted to be or what you wanted to do in life um, I don't when, think so. when did that change? I think I always wanted to go and I, I used to tell this to my grandmother and said one day I'll be living by the beach and have a horse that will come to my window in the morning and pick up a carrot. Um, Pippi Longstockings was my ultimate superhero before superheroes became Wonder Woman and all that comic stuff. Yeah. So I always knew that I was going a little bit against the grain, but where I grew up, that wasn't necessarily something that was encouraged. Everyone kind of used to have their trodden ways. You know, it's the village, you have the kids and 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 you settle down and do, the, do, do that stuff. I always wanted to travel and okay. I was a bit of a wild card rebel and, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So I thought a career um, was something to strive to because, you know, you want to go places, you have to work hard for it. That was a perception back then that was given yes. to me by my childhood conditioning. Um, and that led me to burnout later on. Um, but I think I just wanted to be free as a child. And that didn't fit into the box that I was given to grow into or to grow up in. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it, you say that, that freedom and, and, you know, especially, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, want to get out of that, the working or the corporate or all of that to, to find that freedom. Um, but when we, when we don't, because when we don't have that freedom, we sort of sabotage anything else that might be interfering with that. Yeah, we do. Definitely. So in that, what do you think was the greatest challenge you faced you know, with that transition of traveling and finding out where you wanted to be and what you wanted to do? Biggest challenge would have been moving to New Zealand. So at 25, I was all set to go and move to Dubai, found somebody that I thought, oh, I need to find out what happens when we're in the same place. Uh, And then I had a job offer from New Zealand. And so I packed everything up. I thought, well, I wanted to go overseas. I I said I was going to move somewhere and, you know, improve my English. And then the offer came and I go, oh, <laughs> okay, I'm going. Um, and that certainly had uh, a barrier of, oh, God, I, I, just a great unknown, even though I traveled. Um, yeah. I packed everything in. I'd given up the apartment, sold everything, had a little crate with stuff I need to feel like home. 
And that was on the way to New Zealand and I backpacked the Pacific Islands for three months and was waiting wow. for my work permit to come through. So when I arrived, I said goodbye to my best friend who traveled with me. So she went from Fiji back to Frankfurt <laughs> and I was sitting there waiting and had no idea what was going to happen. I knew the owner of the company who got me into New Zealand, but that was about it. And boy, did I did I did I not ex- anticipate the language and the Kiwi accent being so tricky? Uh, and anyone yeah. who maybe from another place and had dealt with Australia or New Zealand will probably know what I speak of. <laughs> yes, and look, even as an Australian, sometimes I like I go with the New Zealand accent. Can can be. What did you say? <laughs> so here I was with my school English, not being able to articulate myself. I wasn't able to be funny or had nuances that was just not there. So it took me a good year of sticking it out because there's been times where I, I woke up in the morning thinking, did I do the right decision? And I thought, like, I've come this far. I need to put my money where my mouth is. At least I'm going to stay here. Um, And once the language started to click in, I found some flatmates. That's another thing. Flatting was not something that I was accustomed to. Germans don't do that a lot. Um, And then the climate, everything was different. Um, So I literally had to give up my culture, my heritage, my family, everything to come here and see what happened. And 25 years later, almost, I'm still here because the freedom that New Zealand brought was just too tantalizing to go back and fit back into the structures that was never me, really. So the challenge was to explain to my parents that home was not really home in a sense of belonging, even though I love my family and there was no issues. It's been difficult over the years as my father became ill and my mum is getting older I have my nieces over there. You can't just, you know, catch up for coffee. Luckily, we have no. technology. Yes. Uh, but when I first moved, there was a long-distance phone call and there was emails and letters and not, none of the camera stuff that we have. So it it had its challenges, but it certainly built a lot of character and really being true to what you really need and where you wanted to go in life. And that was not back in Germany for me. So here I am still in New Zealand. I love that. So what would you say to other women who are feeling like they're not where they belong? Don't disregard the feeling because our body is incredibly wise. And as women, we have got so many outside influences that tell us we can't trust ourselves. It's from early childhood. It's from from dating. It's it's birth, Mm. giving birth and what other people tell us we should be doing. We kind of lost that connection. Um, And for me, it was being on the highway to burnout and everyone around me could see that that wasn't sustainable what I was doing, but I didn't see it because I couldn't see the wood for the trees. So if I would have listened to my intuition and followed my heart and what felt good for me and what I knew was true, then I would have not had the journey uh, that I did go through. So always stay true to yourself, listen to your body. That's my biggest takeaway. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it, because we do, we get so caught up in the noise around us. Um, and I, I think sometimes, like, you know, like, like I said, technology is fantastic and I love it. I'm, You know, I love my technology and all that. But it does sometimes make our life very lots of distractions, lots of things happening. We don't have a lot of downtime, which is when we sort of connect with ourselves. So what do you do to, like, navigate all that to have your time? 
I have very strong boundaries to actually carve that time and have that as a non-negotiable. That mm-hmm. is being unapologetically myself then when I need stuff. And that includes a lot of nature. I love walking on the beach. That yeah. was one of the things that's why I in New Zealand. It's just so beautiful. Yeah. Um, I also do martial arts. So okay. is the only thing where you need to switch off completely. Because if you are still going over your day, like if you may go on a straight mill at the gym, you mill over your day. Karate, you can't do that. It needs to be focused and you empty out your entire mind pretty much. Otherwise, you either get hit or you get lost somewhere in your kata when you perform. I'm also a beekeeper. So being with bees, you need to be calm and you need to be grounded because they have a, they pick up on energetics. Yeah. You're stressed, and if you're in a shitty mood, bees certainly will tell you that they're not happy. <laughs> so yes, they I, don't, I don't think I'd like to put my <laughs> shitty mood onto some bees. <laughs> no, but they really taught me how to be, no pun intended. Um, yeah. And it's a beautiful um, hobby, and it brings you into nature and really with your intuition and stillness and very slow movements. So I really enjoy that. They are my three things that I always make time for. Yeah, and I think that it is so important. I have my non-negotiables and it's important to have that time, especially, like I said, you know, as entrepreneurs and that we, we tend to be wanting to do things all the time and we're curious and, and, you know, let's try this, let's try that. But you need to balance that with things that are a little bit more mindful. Yes. And, and I always say, like, even like with your karate, like it's a mindfulness practice more than an exercise, isn't it? It is. It, it combines yeah. all of it, and it's yeah. great self-defense. So I can yeah. hold my own if someone wants to. Yeah. Something. So anyone, anyone out there thinking they're going to mug Tina in the street, look at that face. Because <laughs> will get you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, I, I'd like to think that I give myself a better chance to be able to yeah. know what to do with um, with having a black belt. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important to have that confidence as well. So. Who has had the most influence on you throughout your life? Oh, that's a hard one. I think there's several people. There's a um, friend of my parents who um, was very um, bohemian, had a house in Greece, and we spent our summers there, who travelled the world, did all sorts of interesting things, who ignited that travel, the the wanderlust, like they say, in me. Uh, my mother has certainly been an, an influence on me my entire life. And mm. um, as we have grown both older, because we're so alike, it used to clash a lot. Um, yes. as, as mothers and teenagers, that's not a harmonious time. No, no, <laughs> never. <laughs> but as we transition through my decisions to stay in New Zealand and she comes out every two years, we have really learned to mirror each other in a way. And at 73, uh, she's just she's a rebel from way back but in her own ways yeah and she now admires that I do some of the things that she didn't she wasn't able to or didn't give herself permission to yes. but she has really leaned into her wild side she's currently in Morocco on a motorbike trip on a BMW um, through the Atlas Mountains with her partner so <laughs> how good is that I know and she asked me oh do you think I should go I said hell yeah <laughs> Yeah, there's a yes from me. Yeah, yeah. And bring me something from the from the souk in Marrakesh. <laughs> yeah, my um my mum's loves that's where I get my I think my love of travel from too. Like my mum's eighty one, 
She'll probably kill oh, wow. me if she's listening when she's listening because I think she might be 80. Um, <laughs> we had her 80th last year. Uh, but same, she's off to Iceland. Wow. Um, you know, in the middle of the year. So still traveling, you know. Nice. So I, I go, yeah, that curiosity and wanting to see the world. I definitely have that. Talking about the world, if you could change one thing about the world, what would it be? get outside more spend time in nature we spend all our time indoors and I think people go to different places to I don't know to relax and to drop to to well I would say wouldn't say escape but yeah. there's a very beautiful quote that I use frequently is the only way out is in so if you are want to get in balance with your inner self go outside and whether it's sitting digging your toes in the sand hiking just sitting in nature the elements just everyone get outside and don't sweat the small stuff and I think yeah. everything else and that if you make those choices for yourself you're out of them you, you definitely become more involved with caring for the earth I'm obviously I'm I have bees I have a good yeah. friend of surfer so if you if you if you're in the ocean and you see plastic and you see things that shouldn't be that way you care about yeah. it because it's your habitat or part of it and just respect that we've lost by being so absorbed with other things. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I get that. Like I'm such an outdoor person. I never was like growing up because I spent most of my time in a nightclub. But anyway, that's a whole different world. Um, <laughs> but I've done a fair share of that. But yeah, that was yeah, somewhat yeah. between horse riding and, and clubbing as I as I grew into a young woman. <laughs> yes. Um, but, yeah, I, I go there's something about being outdoors and that connection with nature that is so good for the soul. Yes, it is. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's funny, isn't it, because even around here when we were sort of in lockdown and things were closed, there were so many more people because I live, like, right near the beach. There were so many more people out on the paths walking and visiting the beach and all of that. And I... And as soon as we were out of lockdown, yeah. like that all reduced again. And like it always fascinated me. I go, oh, my God, you've got this amazing place to be. Mm. Like why do people not take advantage of that more? Yeah. Yeah. But, again, I think we get busy and distracted. And this is why priorities and boundaries are so important. So you carve that time up because um, I think we all, I mean, the, the phrase working smarter, not harder is a bit yeah. of a catchphrase and work-life balance. This yeah. goes one level deeper below the surface where we go, okay, well, we actually need to need to engage less with the busyness. Mm. And we see our businesses often a lot more clear when we take some time out and not just two weeks holiday where you run yourself ragged to get everything done before you go. And then the minute you come back into the office, you've got 500 emails. Um it's it's really that balance that you have time every day to be in stillness. For me, that's my morning. Yes. So it's become something that I wouldn't want to miss. Yeah, actually, someone was saying that, I think it was my mentor was saying the other day, we all need to daydream more. It's funny you mentioned it. It's, my, it's a quote that hangs in my office, never quit your daydream. Oh, okay, yeah, um, because that is the most creative space. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting how you know different times change and society changes and we forget those things but then we come back to it 
yeah and I think that's when we touched on our age I think as we become into the archetype of the crown some of the noise falls away that we occupy ourselves with when we're younger yeah. uh, versus a Tina we try and fit in if we're young if we're, if we're young women we aspire to different things do different things and then the motherhood has a whole different set of priorities because you're nurturing little people uh, and everyone around you but I think when we come to our age you go hmm now who am you have to almost renegotiate who you are yes and really take that time and I don't want to like call it they used to coin this a midlife crisis or anything I think I call it more a midlife awakening or reprioritizing yes. where you go you know what I'm actually okay with that and for me it's like things like well I'm, I'm not gonna bloody dye my hair thank you very much I'm gonna go naturally gray I'm gonna love every minute of it <laughs> so yes. I think I'm really really okay with who we grow into because we live that much longer too. Oh, definitely. And I think, yeah, there's still a lot um, like that whole industry um, oh, yeah. of, yeah, um, that pressures women especially to still look, to look 20 for the rest of their life. <laughs> um, so what's one daily routine you can't miss? Sitting with my, um, sitting with my son in my spa in the morning and having really good conversations as the sun rises. So it's it's our family time. My husband is a police officer, so he's on shift work. Okay. He often is not around, yeah. um, and he's an only child. So we really have some really deep conversations, which is amazing. Um, so yeah, the, that morning stillness before the day starting to kick in where there's breakfast and school run and all those kind of things so it's really good to have that connection with your children yes yeah I, I as a um, mother of an only son I totally as an as we know and we've talked about before relate to that yeah. um and yes to everyone out there no only children us only children only only the only child doesn't have to be a spoiled little brat (laughs) by any means um but you know again that's that um generalization isn't it and you know there probably are some that are but um I think you you teach your child not to be yeah and just be grounded at the end of the day they follow what they see yes what they observe around uh, who you are um is the most important thing because we walk our talk and they will mirror that. It's always been the case. So that groundedness is something that helps um, also foster resilience and that comes from the martial arts, not just the physical strength, but the internal mental strength that comes with it. So it's nice for him to be able to adapt some of those pearls of wisdom that the martial arts hold and life in general. And just So he does the martial arts with you as well? He does. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. He had yeah. a break, but he's he's getting back into it. He's twelve, as as, as children do. They go through their stages, um, yeah. just like anyone else. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's interesting. I remember my son. Well, I think he was about eleven when he said to me, "Mum," <laughs> the eyes would roll, and he go, "Now, mum," um, and he said, "Just he goes, I I'm going to do what you do, not what you say." Hmm. Mm, point taken yeah um, because I think sometimes as parents I mean parenting's hard and it no one gives you a manual and for every parent it's, it's different because every child's different yeah. um so there's no magic parenting code <laughs> um, no, 
But I think if you can always just remember that at the end of the day, your child will be influenced by what you do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we all had times where we heard our mother say something, when I grow up, I'm never going to say that. (laughs) And sure enough, you catch yourself going, oh, not just say that out loud. I go, I know. I go, sometimes I go, oh, my God, I'm turning into my mother. I know. And then I think there's a new set of rules in terms of um, what what being a child is like in this day and age. And no matter how much I miss some of the things that I had in my childhood and my mother would be telling me the same things. We used to I used to ride my horses in the forest. There was no cell phones, no nothing. No. Um, but for some reason, we all made it. Um, and sometimes I've and we've spent a lot more time outside rather in front of a PlayStation. But um, you can't shield them from technology because I, I'm a firm believer that if you learn how to use it in a conscious way, you can absolutely adapt it into your daily life as long as you don't go overboard with things. Yeah. And they're needed for navigating the life and the careers that they have available these days. Yeah, absolutely. It's their reality. Yeah. Um, I remember same like when my son's handwriting at one point and thinking oh my god that is atrocious <laughs> um yep. you know because I was used to the rote let's go it again cursive script yep. um and then I realized and I say I had to realize I went oh do you know what not only will he not even have to learn to type by the time he's the age he is now yeah I said he'll just be able to transcribe and he won't into a thing and handwriting it really won't matter yeah i mean the the (laughs) amount of jumps we had in technology when i did my apprenticeship in my early 20s there was still a telefax machine in an office um and um email was just starting i had an aol and a CompuServe account back then so i remember when there was no internet and school and what they research now the vast amount of knowledge to have access to it's not all bad um, it's just how you use it and how you how you adapt to it in yeah, a different way. So I think I remember getting excited when at my first job I got to use an electric typewriter. Oh, one of those ball ones, the the, the fancy ones. Yeah, instead oh, of just instead of that. just that clunk 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 clunk. clunk. Yep, <laughs> that. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, those were the days. That is funny. But like you said, it's just different. It's not better or worse. That's what I say about every generation. They're not better or worse. They're different. And how nice is it to press the return button instead of having to use the twink? (laughs) (laughs) When I think about it now, I go, it was more like a pokey machine. I know. (laughs) Um, They don't have them anymore either. No, they don't. (laughs) Uh, Mind you, it would be better if they had none of them whatsoever. But, yeah. Yeah. So what advice would you give to someone if, you know, a new coach, obviously a coach, what advice do you give if someone's like stuck and they know they want something but they just don't know how to get it and they're too scared? I would tell them to stop and really take a good look and it goes in uncomfortable places I do work a lot in uh, the subconscious programming and into your conditioning that stems from an early childhood age and it's a very fine line between being a coach in that in that realm and when there is a therapy element to it so I I don't work with everybody but 
we as women in particular have all got similar things that we struggled with. The voice is one of them because we were told to be nice, use a nice voice, be quiet. Mm-hmm. I had I've interviewed somebody recently for a summit and she said, you know, I come from an area in America where girls were supposed to be seen and not heard. And I go, oh my goodness. Well, that is that is so inherent in that generation that mm. needs to be worked on. And I used to be, if someone would have told me I'm going to be on a podcast or let alone on stage, I would have gone, heck into the no. I used to get nervous even having to stand up in the classroom when I was 11 and 12. I would have rather be in the background. And I think that plays out in a career, whether it's in our own business or in our careers, that if we don't express our message and share our ideas, freely without the fear of being seen yeah. we do not achieve um, what we're stepping into so I work a lot with that the voice and obviously we have similar conditioning around um, abundance and money and receiving as women we feel weird I mean if if you think of mm-hmm. someone giving you a compliment nine times out of ten a woman would go oh, that's nothing it's just it's me instead yes. of saying wow thank, thank you. you so Honing in on some of those things that hold you back to where you want to go is often where that stuckness comes in because we want something and we know our body will tell us, oh, my job doesn't fulfill me anymore. This is not feeling good anymore. can be the same with a relationship, for example. Um, But I really, really encourage women to stop, to take stock, to really look at different elements of their life and see what is still in alignment and what you may be doing because it's a habit or it's something mm. that you always done and really being honest with themselves because that takes courage because we all have things under the surface where you go, well, oh, that's not one of my things I'm most proud of. It may be how we react to something. It may be, I don't know, smoking or it can be any number of things. So there is an element of that uncomfortable deep dive into your unseen world yeah. and really coming out of it. But you need to stop and be still and really find the courage to take those steps yeah and and I again like that it's really important isn't it to be honest with yourself and acknowledge the not so the darker bits the not so good bits because you know that's why I always say like you can't change anything until you acknowledge it first but you know without the judgment yeah (laughs) I Just, think in our line of work, we come across that um, a lot. Yeah. Where, where you got, you have to go into the uncomfortable places for change to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And no, that's why I like go now. Like I go, oh my gosh, if like there's chaos happening or I'm emotional, I, I get I get a bit excited because I go, oh, look, change is happening. Yeah. And just reframe it to at being a positive. Because like you said, you know, most of my life in my, in my generation, I mean, kids, kids were seen, not heard. Then, then the boys, as they got older, were allowed to talk. But the women, you know, in in workplaces and and everything, were, mm-hmm. you know, don't be too assertive, don't be too sexy. You're not sexy yeah, enough. Things. You're not strong enough. You're too. Yeah, it's either it was either or. Like it was a no win situation, really. Yeah. Which left us all going. Oh, I don't know who I am, or yeah. what I want to do. But um, yeah. So what is on your next life adventure? Like what's, what, what's Tina's goal? I'm going to be moving away from the city 
and I will be moving um, somewhere more remote as long as there's internet access. Yeah. So to have that horse, it's time. My black Frisian. Called oh, my God. That, you know, that is like literally my favourite horse. Yeah. yeah. And um, Black I Stallion was my favourite movie. <laughs> yes. I, I used to grow up with um, with horses and I just love everything about them. And it's time. I always said I will have one one day, my own. Yeah. So that's it on the card. And um, I'm launching my own book called Corporate Rewilding, which is the story of breaking through, going through the fire really to get out from where I was to all the hardship and the breakdown and the burnout and the depression to then go come out the other side and share a little bit along that. So that's, that is for me a huge um, goal. It always has been. I always said yeah. I want to write a book. When you actually then write it and you see, oh, it's it, you're getting to pick covers and, and write titles and yeah, well. things it's exciting so those two things are important for me at the moment and I'm going back into publishing as well where I'm going to grow the knowledge that I've gained over the 30 years in a part half of that in that industry to really allow women to channel their books through to allow their books to come through because I think we all have a story and we all have a book it's incredibly healing writing one Yes, um, absolutely. I, I love that. And um, I think it's really important too because there's, like I've written my three co-authored books and they were all different journeys, but mm. I know there's so many, op I think that's the thing, there's so many options out there now for, for um, women to write a book or a co-authored book, but there's also a lot of people taking advantage of that Correct. In in so it's it's become very challenging for people to know where to go because there's so many choices mm -hmm. that you know finding someone who really is passionate about it because they want to raise the voice of women yeah is you know part of that rather than just being a publishing house that I know just wants to make money off you and push you through and then see you later yeah. It's about do, uh, collaboration is the new domination and coming mm -hmm. from that place, I can be um, the entrepreneur and the CEO that I, that I didn't have when I was breaking down in that industry because it is so toxic at times yeah. when it comes to advertising budget. And this is about women being empowered to be able to bring a story through on their own terms and really collaborate where you have a graphic design artist and a photographer and it all sort of amalgamates. I have a vision of having just shared office space where, and this is the hive mentality that comes for my bees to go, I would like to have a shared office space where women come together at lunchtime to, I don't know, pull an Oracle card and have kombucha out of beautiful crystal cut glasses and really have that community and that sharing that we we naturally have as women without this structure of how we're supposed to do each day and it's not the nine to five and it's not the go 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 all the time we're here to also come back and I don't know, do yoga during workout work hours mm, yeah. we really he here to redefine what success and what career and power means to us and if I can be on that path to usher that through for others then I think that is where the calling is going to really have this beautiful melting pot and I think being in New Zealand so far detached from everything else there's a cost element um, and an imperity when you look at other currencies a lot of the stuff happens in the US by the time you're um, going to go and um, 
convert that into our local currencies yeah. it becomes incredibly expensive as an investment. So it's really doing it not on a shoestring, but on a more inter- with more integrity to be able yes. to allow women in New Zealand and Australia to go, actually, I can do this down here. Don't have to run off to Asia or to Europe or to the US. Let's write books here and have fun. Yeah, yeah. excellent. So... If anyone wanted to work with you, find out more about you, find out like what services you have, how could they get in touch with you? The easiest is my website, which is mm-hmm. the fempreneurpathfinder.com and there's a link. I'm sure you'll provide that one. Yes, I'll put I'll put the links in. It's got um it's a it's a hybrid of business coaching and personal coaching where I go and work with I call it the Fempreneur Pathfinder for a reason. It's it's really excavating where you're being held back, especially in the area of not being good enough in your voice and your confidence. But I also have the business acumen to go, okay, if you want to start up and break out of um, corporate, there is ways that I can assist with actually goal setting and getting to places. There's still structure around it, but I I liken it to creating a riverbed for the water to flow into. So you can be creative with your brand and with your message, but it still needs a business structure so you can actually um, make all of those goals happen but in a in a in in line with your feminine essence so you honor your cycle you honor your energy because we're not the same people every day men can rise with the sun they can do the same thing day in day out and never feel out of the same was it wear the same suit every day to work I know women we are we align with the moon and there's a full moon tonight so oh yes yes there is it's we are 28 different days, roughly, on yeah. our cycle. So we have times where we could be all bubbly and go out and have 15 meetings and thrive on it. And there's times in our cycle where we go, oh, God, even just the thought of going on a live will make us go, ooh. Yeah. So, again, there's that societal thing of being continuously productive. <laughs> and then I was going to say, and then there's perimenopause where that cycle oh, could yeah. be 20, 28 in one day. <laughs> I know. <laughs> It's certainly going to town on me, but I think it it forces you, or not forces you, but it it drops you into another state of evolution. Yes. Um, and it's not going to go away. It's just it's just like a roller coaster. Once you're on, you're gonna have to ride it, and you don't know which turn it takes and when it's gonna stop. <laughs> no, exactly. The unknown, being comfortable with the unknown as well. Uh, so thank you everyone for listening tonight um, and the actual podcast will be released next Monday um, so I'll share all that with Tina thank you so much Tina for thank being you. here that was a very lovely chat and I yeah. really appreciate being able to have a chat on your couch yeah oh, yeah I've, like I said my brown couch <laughs> um Just so everyone's aware too, Tina and I are both speakers at the Women's Thrive Summit from the 20th to the 24th. Um, Do you know what day you're speaking on, Tina? Yes, I'm on the 21st and I'm the last slot of the day with the US time zone. Okay. So, yeah, and so there's links. You can go to Tina's page. She'll have links. Um, I'll have links on my page. There's free tickets, so you can buy a ticket and go and see um, 50-plus amazing powerhouse women speaking. So definitely register if you want um, tickets which which have more value and you can get the replays and that there's a few options on the website um, as well. So thank you, Tina.
And I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, we love to, I love to just showcase these amazing women and, you know, a little bit more about what makes them tick and because we're not all business. I think that's really important. You know, it's easy to get on podcasts and just talk about your stuff, but there's a person and a story behind every person and every business. So, yeah. So thank you. Have a lovely evening, everyone. Thank you, Tina. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye.